Edentialism 2023 is the first international conference gathering world-leading researchers and professionals in all treatment options for edentialist patients. Let's discover together the speakers and partners who will share their expertise in the Canary Islands, Spain, between the 4th and 6th of May 2023. Welcome back to the Zaga Synthes podcast. Uh, today, very special episode. We're welcoming uh, Professor Ole Jensen. Uh, good morning, Professor. Hello. Happy to be here with you all. All right. Let's start with a quick uh, self-introduction. Can, can you tell us a bit uh, about you, your training, uh, your experience, uh, maybe about a bit about the scientific aspects of it, uh, different books, um, many, many publications. Can you give us a short introduction uh, about you, please? I would introduce myself by saying that I am a wet finger clinician. And that means that everything I have done is because I've been trying to solve problems in treating patients. That also means that I haven't uh, done rigorous um, clinical studies with statisticians and so on. I more uh, have been kind of an advisor uh, to dentistry to show how we can do things without causing harm to patients and also to solve difficult clinical problems. Now, my academics, uh, I went to Northwestern University, uh, University of Utah, and um, University of Michigan. I'm a board-certified oral maxillofacial surgeon. I'm very interested in uh, bone grafting and reconstructive surgery. I started out as, a, as an oral cancer surgeon And as a matter of fact, that was my initial reason for getting involved in the zygomatic implants is because we would remove the, sometimes the entire maxilla and try and to solve what was there without uh, going to the zygomatic was impossible. So I have kind of a long history of trying to solve defects in the oral facial area and uh, also in dental implantology and bone grafting. All right, let's try and try and leverage your, your experience for the, the upcoming conference, Edentialism 2023, which is focusing on all treatment options for the edentulous patient. So your session is covering the past, present, and future of the rehabilitation of the atrophic maxilla. So you mentioned you were a cancer surgeon in the beginning. So obviously, a maxillectomy makes bone grafting quite complicated. But bone grafting, block grafting, actually, used to be the gold standard for the atrophic maxilla. So can you tell us a bit what we can expect to learn during your session and a bit about this switch, uh, if that's the case for you too, from block grafting to zygo implants? Well, can I tell some stories while I'm at it here? Oh, you can. Feel free to go for it. (laughs) In the late um, 80s, I operated with Dr. Branamark, and he was was teaching. Actually, uh, Carl Misch was with me. So the three of us were doing surgery on an edentulous maxilla, and he took a U-shaped piece of bone and and speared it with implants, and, um, and that was the way that he was teaching us how to do reconstruction. And we quickly 
abandoned that method for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that Branamark himself told me is that one time he was, was placing the graft and placing all the implants, and the entire graft fell out. In other words, there was such a deficiency of, of anchorage in the, in the atrophic maxilla that it wouldn't hold uh, the graft. And soon thereafter, he started to toy with the idea of looking for anchorage, anchorage points in the, in the zygomatic areas. So I would say, let me answer that by giving that little story as an introduction that we can't solve all of these problems that we see with block bone grafting, it's impossible. You would also have eventual soft tissue limitations when it comes to block grafting, right? Yes, um, I did publish um, a method in um, Danny Boozer's book on uh, guided bone regeneration. It was the very first book on how to um, get coverage of a large graft. And that involves uh, taking tissue from the upper lip. But what happens there, you know, the, the, the mucosa, what happens there if you transfer that that tissue there, you lose vestibular height, but not only that, you disturb nerve function. So some of these patients will, will have paresthesia from the dissection of, of trying to create these flaps. So you have to weigh, you know, that complication or that, you know, difficulty in the long term in doing those kind of uh, flap procedures for grafting. You would switch one problem for another, right? Yes, yes. You, men you mentioned earlier um, working as a clinician, not doing any harm to the patient. So when it comes to the atrophic maxilla as of today, what is, in your opinion, the gold standard for treating patients? I know every patient is unique, but overall, in as general comment. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I do like... Uh, the Hippocratic saying, do no harm to the patient. I do like that. I think that's a good, good thing to do. We shouldn't be adventurers. In other words, doing a procedure just to do a procedure so that you can say that you accomplished that kind of a procedure. Um, the atrophic maxilla, when uh, uh, Hal said, Hal, you know, define the different categories of atrophy, you know, where you have mild and, and severe atrophy, these six classifications. Um, I think we need to look at doing zygomatics more in class five, class six, rather than in one, two, three, four. And certainly, um, you know, if somebody is just having an edentulation and they have pretty good bone, you, you don't want to go to more exotic treatments. So I think the, the use of zygomatics really has its place when there's high, highly, there's a, a lot of deficiency in, in uh, bone stock present. Uh, but maybe sometimes it's overused. And that's one of the things that I want to try and discuss in my presentation is, is there a threshold where you should maybe go one way or go the other way. And that, that's 
kind of what I'm going to talk about uh, during my talk in, in the Canary Islands. I think we're going to have a very interesting conversation around the topic of over-indication. And uh, I think in the la latest years, we've seen quite a lot, of, a lot of surgeons pushing, maybe because of social media, maybe because they want to do this kind of treatment, because it's impressive, I would say, to, to simply over-indicate zygomatic implants and cut a little bone here and there. And, and uh, I think we're going to have a very interesting session from uh, Dr. Eduardo Nikolaevsky on the definition of te terminal dentition. Like what is terminal dentition and what does that mean on the treatment selection? And what you mentioned about atrophy is quite interesting because in many surgeons' minds, zygomatic implants come in when you cannot place regular implants. And I don't know if that definition works for you. It's a very practical one, um, but you could also look at other options there. Yeah, I think that's generally that's true. I mean, uh, you know, you, you try and do in anything in medicine or dentistry, you try and do conventional treatment, you know, straightforward, simple treatment when possible. And then when you can't, uh, such as in severe atrophy in this, this setting, th then, you go, then you go to the more uh, advanced uh, type of treatment. Your session it starts with the past, present, and future of the rehabilitation of the atrophic maxilla. Do you have any hint or feeling of where the future of the treatment of atrophic maxilla will be? Well, I, I am working on technology right now to uh, help with the occasional uh, infections that we see. And so I think that in the future, we really need to have an antimicrobial uh, um, technology associated with, uh, you know, especially transcytosis uh, implants and, and implants that are exposed in the oral cavity that, that are hard to, to clean um, and maintain. And so that, that is one area that's important. Uh, the, the fixture, there's a, almost every aspect of a zygomatic implant probably can be improved upon and, um, I, and, and is under debate, you know, from the abutment connection to the, the transosseous part, the extra, extra sinus, intrasinus, and all these, these different variables, how the soft tissue should be handled and, and the zygomatic or the uh, sinus membrane. I mean, these things, um, I've, I've written about them. It's, it's in some of my books and so on. These are controversial and important subjects that uh, maybe are not fully, fully baked yet and fully figured out that in the future we will improve upon. It feels like there, there is a challenge. Zygomatic implants are a niche treatment, probably the last resort treatment for many patients. And it means every patient is, I'm going to say something scientifically incorrect here, even more unique than a regular uh, treatment. So that makes research quite complicated. And, and I understand what you say when you say uh, there are different ways of doing things. And I think this will harmonize itself over time when research goes on and we can actually compare apple to apples with different protocols. And, and only there we, we will be able to progress. And it, it won't be a one-man job in the end, but a 
group of surgeons with enough data to be able to compare and actually, you know, compare A to B and, and discuss is that implant better is an antimicrobial treatment uh, beneficial, it surely is. Um, and where will, will, will zygomatic implant rehabilitations go in the end? Do you think, uh, are you aware of new treatment options that could be useful for the atrophic maxilla too? I, I am. And, um, you know, one thing is there's been a resurgence of the subperiosteal implant or the custom implants. And um, in the past, I have really been against that because uh, at, on failure of those implants, they, they leave large defects oftentimes. And some of the worst complications I've seen in implant dentistry have been for those kind of devices. However, um, that, that was old technology. And uh, now we can possibly make this work and uh, have it be comparable to zygomatic implants for the atrophic maxilla. So I'm not totally dismissing it uh, like I did before. Uh, and it is a possibility if we can get, um, you know, very, very fine um, adaptation in the bone and so on, uh, it, it's possible that we could, uh, could make that system work in, in the future. Yes, I think it, it, as of today, it still falls in the category of innovations. It right. means it needs research, it needs clinical trials, mm -hmm. and, and case reports, cohort studies, all the, the whole scientific pack to evaluate. I don't think evaluate if it works, but evaluate in which cases it's indicated. Right. And uh, we've seen so far indications that it would be quite indicated as the last resort solution after zygomatic implant failure. Uh, which is basically the only solution left. But also, if we do two step backwards, uh, we could think if this technology is used in um, penioplasties or craniomaxillofacial implants, why wouldn't it work in, in the, in the mid-phase? Well, I, I will tell you a, a, an interesting case I had, and, and maybe it's indicated in certain pathology. I had a patient with cherubism. And cherubism is a very rare uh, um, ossifying dysfunction in the maxillary, maxillary area. And, um, and so when we try to do traditional implants in the maxilla, they would not osso-integrate. It'd be like putting an implant into an ossifying fibroma or something. And sometimes cherubism can go quite high. And so it can disturb the bone osteology of the, of the zygomatics. So if you have no maxilla, and you have compromised zygomatics either because of pathology or lack of bone. Maybe somebody had a gunshot wound or whatever. Um, that's a setting then where, okay, now the alternative might be, okay, we should consider a customized onlay type of subperiosteal implant. But the, these occasions are quite rare. Um, I, I only think I've treated one cherubism, maybe two cherubism patients in my whole career. So these, these are rare, but it's not impossible that we, we might have to go to another technology in the future in certain, certain situations. All right. So I'm excited to your session in a conference in May 2023. Uh, I hope you can share the knowledge and uh, 
let's say, wisdom that you accumulated over the years on, on the treatment, on the prevention of overindication, and, and give us insights on where the treatment for the severe atrophic maxilla is as of today and where it's expected to go in, in the near future. Okay, very good. I'll see what I can do to help, it, help us all out. <laughs> I look forward <laughs> to the discussion. Thank you so much for taking the time to participate in this episode of the Saga Centers podcast. And uh, we'll be meeting in two months from now at the conference. Okay, thank you very much, everyone. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, bye. Edentialism 2023 is the first international conference gathering world-leading researchers and professionals in all treatment options for edentialist patients.